Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I'm Steve Bryce, Chief Investment Officer, and on this episode of the podcast, we'll discuss our investment themes as we enter the second half of the year. Joining me today is Audrey Goh, our Senior Cross-Asset Strategist, who drives our thematic lens. Audrey, at the end of 2020, we outlined some key investment themes. By and large, the performance has been positive with so far, with six out of seven generating positive returns. And the best performing theme has been Ready, Steady, Rotate, up over 15% since our 2021 outlook was published. This argued for value-style equities to outperform growth equities. And part of this was seen as the environment getting less bad for value after a severe underperformance last year, rather than the suggestion that value will outperform growth over the coming three to five years. Can you give us your latest thinking on this theme and what might lie ahead? Thanks, Steve. We have basically seen value style equities taking a pause recently. Uh, one of the concerns is due to the rise in the more infectious COVID Delta variant. And the other is really concerned over risk that uh, growth may moderate from earlier than expected Fed tightening. Uh, we do believe that some of these concerns may be overdone uh, because it is quite possible that as we transition towards more sustainable but modest pace of economic growth next year, this may lead to potential bouts of reversal in value equities, but we would view them as temporary as long as economic growth remains well supported. And economic growth next year is expected to remain well above trend even as we expect the Fed to taper by the end of the year and to conduct the actual tapering by early next year. Historically, bond yields have tend to move higher on tapering announcements. And our central expectations is uh, for, for the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond yield to move to around 1.75% to 2% over the next 6 to 12 months. And we believe that this development would be very supportive for value-style equities, which tends to perform during periods of strong growth and modestly higher bond yield. And if you look at on from an earnings perspective as well, Earnings revision are also quite supportive and uh, outpacing those of growth equity style. So we, we, we view this um, pause as healthy and one that offers opportunities for investors to consider averaging in. And can you give people a sense of which sectors or industries um, will benefit from this, this uh, ready, steady, rotate theme? Well, some of the sectors within uh, value style equities will include the likes of energy, industrial, financials and materials. Uh, we do have a preference for both financials as well as energy equities, which we believe will be um, beneficiary of one higher bond yields uh, going forward. At the same time, valuations are also more attractive uh, as compared to industrial materials, uh, uh, at least globally, where performance have also been outstanding, but quite a fair bit may have been priced in already uh, in the near term in our view. Okay, so value is, is a cyclical 6 to 12 month view at this stage. Um, what about investors such as me that's looking for uh, longer term themes? Are there any areas that you would suggest? I think for investors who are interested in longer term ideas, uh, we do have a structural preference for the likes of uh, disruptive technology, which include the likes of 5G, Internet of Things, uh, things associated with medical technology, e-gaming, fintech and electric vehicle as well. I think underpinning all these themes is uh, really this overarching mega trend of this sharp acceleration in digitization that we are seeing in many parts of the economy post the pandemic. And in our view, this is going to significantly ramp up the demand in terms of the role of the 5G networks, as well as the use of Internet of Things in many parts of our life. 
Um, take, for example, uh, with much higher 5G speed and lower latency, hundreds and thousands of devices can now be connected and also importantly, interact with one another. Um, this, in our view, will allow for greater automation or even the use of expanding the use of artificial uh, intelligence to predict what's going to happen next in a manufacturing plant, autonomous driving, or even in med tech, for example. Um, this development is likely going to drive higher demand for the more advanced semiconductor chips to increase proliferation of smart devices that can now be applied in various industries to track, monitor what a plant or person is doing. Um, and within the disruptive technology space, we have also added to fintech in May this year, following a 20% decline. We view fintech as a way uh, to capitalize on this trend where uh, they challenge traditional banks across various parts of the value chain within the financial service industry, across the lines of payments, peer-to-peer -peer lending, or even in robo-advisory. Uh, if we look at fundamentals drive uh, earnings behind this uh, particular fintech theme today, uh, this has been quite positive as well, with analysts revising up earnings expectations since April, which drove a 13% gain to our theme since we added to it uh, in May this year. Um, certainly, valuations is not cheap. It is trading at around 29 to 30 times uh, price-to-earnings ratio uh, compared to global equities, which is around 19 to 20 times. But we do believe that the growth backdrop in fintech is attractive as they are going to see significant growth as digitization in the financial industry accelerates. Okay, so another theme that I know you're very passionate about is climate change. Um, can you give us a sense of what's interesting from an investment perspective um, as we stand today? From a climate change perspective, uh, the, the overarching trend that we are seeing today is really one where uh, economies uh, globally shift towards a low-carbon, clean environment by 2050 and 2060. And this is really driven by increased number of commitments uh, that we have seen uh, right now, we have about more than 100 over countries committing uh, to achieve a net zero carbon emission under the Paris Agreement Act, uh, first initiated in 2015. And what this is going to result is uh, countries globally will now have to overhaul their energy infrastructure, uh, going from uh, cleaner uh, sources of inputs in their power grids to a greater use of electric vehicles on the roads uh, in the countries we've committed to this, uh, to this particular uh, uh, 2%. Uh, uh, carbon emission by 2050 and 2060. Um, under this scenario, we do believe that the, the use of renewable, renewable energies is likely to pick up over time. Uh, at the moment, renewable energy use is around 20% of total primary energy use today globally. And that proportion is set to increase to as much as 60, 70, or even 80% by 2050 or 2060. And at the same time, the use of electric vehicles on the road is going to pick up as well. And right now, just less than 5% of the vehicles today on the road are electrified. And what this means is we're going to see a significant increase uh, in the ramp up of this figure as governments uh, increase the in incentives uh, to incentivize consumers to switch to EVs uh, going forward in a bid to meet their commitment under the Paris Agreement. Okay, so I think the last thing I want to talk about today is, you know, We've seen bond yields come down significantly in the COVID crisis. Yes, risk-free bond yields have gone up a little bit at the start of this year. But overall, those investors trying to generate income from their investments, it, it's still a pretty challenging environment. So have you got any tips for people in that situation where they're trying, for whatever reason, to generate income uh, while still investing? 
Well, I think that's that's a very uh, that, that's uh, a very uh, fair assessment, uh, Steve. In fact, even as the Fed prepares to taper uh, the proportion of uh, uh, bond yields, which yield uh, less than one percent, is still a majority of the bond universe, nearly sixty percent of them actually. So it's quite challenging for income investors to generate sufficient income. Um, against this backdrop, we believe that investors can consider uh, number one potentially increasing the exposure to riskier or higher yielding. Assets, for example, uh, bonds uh, with lower credit rating or even longer ma- uh, maturity uh, tenor, or looking at the likes of dividend equities, which also offers decent income and potentially uh, room for it to perform as well, given our preference for value theme. Um, other than that, uh, investors can also explore alternative, potentially less liquid assets, such as in hedge funds or private investments to capture opportunistic sources of diversification as well as income. I guess the downside with private investment is it does require commitments over long periods of time and requiring your capital to be locked up for easily five to seven years. But perhaps because of that, investors can then achieve uh, extra return due to this additional e-liquidity premium that you can earn from having your capital locked up. And finally, as well, if we were to look at private investment as a whole, they also tend to display lower correlation as well as volatility levels which helped over the longer term improve one's uh, risk-adjusted return of a portfolio allocation. Okay, well, thank you so much, Audrey, for your for your insights. Um, that's it for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.